0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Big E here. This is law for Virginia law enforcement officers. We're talking about law. What do you need to know as a law enforcement officer in Virginia, whether you're a road officer, detective, investigator, whatever you're doing to better strengthen and serve your communities. This is episode 58 of the podcast. And again, it's been a little while since we've we've met, but, uh, you know, the courts have they don't have a lot of cases to hear right now because there weren't a lot of cases that were brought to trial last year but there was a really interesting case this week on hearsay from stafford county uh it's a published opinion from the court of appeals and it made me think you know we talk about hearsay all the time in the law we talk about uh you know oh this can't be admitted because it's hearsay or we need this witness here because this would be hearsay and, you know, I don't think we do a very good job of explaining what that rule really is. What is hearsay? Hearsay is probably one of the most misunderstood rules in the law. And if I lined up 100 lawyers and judges, prosecutors, defense attorneys, I will bet you that easily uh, uh, two-thirds of them would fail a test on identifying properly what is and isn't hearsay under the rules. Because it's actually, it turns out, a really complicated rule. So what I thought I would do today would be just to explain the basics of what is and isn't hearsay under the law. Um, And I'm not going to go into all the exceptions and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, I don't think you can be a police officer, a law enforcement officer of any kind in Virginia without at least having a fundamental understanding of what is and isn't hearsay. And that's true whether you're, you know, somebody who presents cases in court by yourself or just prepares cases or whatever you're doing. Uh, so that's what I want to do today is kind of review it. And this Davis case that was decided this week by the Court of Appeals is a great example of of really like of how complicated the rule actually is um, and how much people kind of misunderstand it. Uh, I want to tell you what happens in Davis and then it'll give us a good chance to kind of step back and examine the rule. So Davis is a homicide case out of Stafford County where the defendant lured uh, a guy a man and a woman to uh, the parking lot of a convenience store under the ruse that there was going to be a drug deal now the defendant and the and the and the victim the deceased victim they knew each other they'd already had a dispute so he knew he couldn't get that guy to come there by himself so he 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 enlisted some of his friends the defendant enlisted some of his friends to lure the victim and uh the female uh, who survived who was very severely injured but survived um to this parking lot And so there were all these Snapchat conversations between the defendant's buddy and the victim's buddy, the dead person's, the dead victim's buddy. Um, uh, uh, And during the court and the Commonwealth got copies of these conversations from the uh, from a phone of one of the, from the victim's friend and admitted them at trial over the defendant's objection. So what was in the conversations? Well, they're having conversations, how much are five bars of Xanax? Oh, here's how much that the the, de, the, the, um, the deceased victim would charge for those. Um, okay, well, we're on our way. We're five minutes away from McDonald's is what the defendant's, the defendant's friend says. Um, the defendant's friend says, hey, how come, you know, we gotta go through you? And the victim's friend says, well, he doesn't like selling to boys, he likes selling to women. Um, And they say, hey, you know, okay, great. Well, we're on our way. We're going to be there soon. We're in a red Toyota. Um, They make all these statements. And the defendant says, hey, those are all hearsay statements made by somebody who supposedly is my buddy to somebody else. And none of these people are testifying in court, right? You're just having these text conversations. I object on hearsay grounds. And the trial court admits them anyway over the defendant's objection. And the court of appeals says they're admissible so i want to step back and say hey what you know what does it mean that something is hearsay right what does that rule really mean well virginia's rules of evidence are traditionally from the common law right in other words they come over from the law at the time of king james of england at the time of the founding of the commonwealth uh, and are still in effect today Recently, in the last few years, Virginia enacted rules of evidence for the first time. But those rules are simply a restatement, for the most part, of the basic common law rules. And so hearsay under the rules, as the, we have now and under the common law, is a statement other than one made by the declarant while testifying, the person who actually said the thing uh, and saw the thing, other than something made by a person while testifying at the hearing or trial, that's offered in evidence to prove the truth of the matter asserted. So it's a statement offered in evidence to prove the truth of the matter asserted when the person who's making the statement uh, doesn't testify. And hearsay can be oral or hearsay can be written, right? So uh, could either somebody testifying that somebody said something or you handing in a piece of paper or something that says, that something said something and as in general hearsay is not admissible and this goes back to an ancient trial uh, under the common law there's a guy named john rolfe who got convicted uh, in england under some very hearsay kind of testimony oh i heard that so and so said that so and so saw something he got convicted it was a big scandal and ultimately this hearsay rule uh, sort of gets developed after that trial so hearsay evidence at the core of it right the value of that hearsay evidence the power of the hearsay evidence comes not f- from giving credit to the person who's actually on the witness stand but instead you're attributing veracity to, and competency to some other person who's not there to testify as to whether or not the thing that is being said is true or false so in general hearsay is not admissible now what the heck does that mean what <laughs> after having said all that does that really make any sense right Um, so if a prosecutor says, hey, you know, what to the witness, what happened when John walked up to you at the end of the cocktail party? And the answer from the witness is, oh, John told me that I shouldn't get a ride home with Jane because she had been drinking far too much for her to drive safely. Right? What would that be? That would be hearsay. Why? Because the witness is saying, hey, John told me that he had observed Jane and that Jane was far too drunk to drive me home. So the witness has no idea if that's true or false. He's just repeating what he heard John say. So that's kind of the hearsay rule, right? But we're going to get complicated really fast, right? Because first of all, hearsay is not considered to be here. Excuse me, evidence is not considered to be hearsay if it's not a statement that's made by a declarant. And in addition, it's not hearsay if it's not offered for the truth of the matter. In other words, you could offer a statement not for the truth but for some other reason to explain something else, right? And then it wouldn't be hearsay evidence. Well now, let's. what are you talking about, right? What do I mean by that? Well, here's an example of it. you're test, you know. You're testifying at trial for the first time, and it's a you know regular old traffic case. Prosecutor asks you, you know, which uniform, give you give me introduce yourself. Um, were you working on this particular day? Were you wearing a uniform badge of authority? Were you in this particular area? Did you see the defendant's vehicle? Yes. Why did you pull over the defendant's vehicle? Well, my field training officer, who was riding in the car with me, ran the defendant's criminal history, and he saw that he was wanted out of Georgia for stealing, you know, peaches. Well, so we pause for a second and we say, is that hearsay or not? Well, maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Let's ask ourselves, what is it that that statement is being offered for? Because if it's offered for the truth, in other words, if I'm offering that statement to say it is true that the defendant was wanted out of Georgia for stealing peaches, then that's hearsay, right? Because I cannot use somebody else's statement, in this case, your field training officer's statement that he ran your, ran the criminal history of the defendant and found that he was wanted out of Georgia for stealing peaches, uh, then it wouldn't be admissible as hearsay. On the other hand, if I'm offering it for some other reason, then it would be admissible. And here, maybe I'm just offering it to explain why it is that you stopped the defendant's vehicle, right? Did you have a lawful reason to stop the defendant's vehicle? Sure. We were behind the vehicle. We ran his criminal history. and We found he was wanted out of Georgia for stealing peaches. So there, there's my lawful reason for pulling him over. I don't know if it's true or not that he was wanted and it doesn't matter because we're here on a traffic offense trial or we're here in a drug trial or we're here in a concealed weapons trial so he's not on trial for having a want a record out of georgia and so if the defense abj- attorney objects and says judge objection hearsay the answer from the prosecutor ought to be judge i'm not offering it for the truth of whether he's wanted out of georgia i'm just offering it to explain what the reason was for the stop right um you know, uh, another example where, you know, why did you walk away from the defendant in this case? You were talking to the defendant and then you just terminated the conversation and walked away. Well, he made disparaging comments about the police. I didn't want to get into a fight, so I just turned around and walked away. Objection hearsay. Well, it's not hearsay here um, because the fact that he made the statements isn't being offered for the truth. It's just being offered for the fact that he made the statements. I heard him made the statements. What he's saying about the police may or may not be true his nasty comments about the police may or may not be true but i just didn't want to go into conflict and because i heard the statements i terminated the encounter and walked away so that's the hearsay rule right and i mentioned that it's a common law rule uh, and it is a common law rule but it's also a constitutional rule and the hearsay rule is very important under the u.s constitution um the 6th amendment of the constitution guarantees the right to confront the witnesses who bear testimony against the, against you and so under the 6th amendment if some if if testimony is being offered <clears throat> against the defendant in a criminal trial he has a right to confront the person who's providing the testimony the truth of that testimony right confront his accusers and again this goes back to the uh, the old trial of john rolfe so this is an ancient concept in uh, in english law so let's let's go back for a second then and look at this davis case uh, because i think it's an interesting application of the rule about hearsay so in davis i mentioned a bunch of different statements that the commonwealth admitted um, from the snapchat texts right and The question you want to ask here is, well, okay, so are these statements out of court statements? Well, yes, they are out of court statements. Uh, They're not made in court, they're not testimony in court. Okay, so now are they out of state statements by somebody who's not testifying at trial? Well, yeah, the defendant's buddy is not testifying at trial and he's talking to, um, ultimately he ends up talking to the deceased victim themselves, uh... but he's talking to other people who are not testifying as well and those snapchat conversations are being admitted alright so we're so far we're, we're we're looking like hearsay but the third question is are they being offered for the truth of the matters asserted in other words is it true or false that the victim won't sell to uh... boys won't sell, will only sell to women is it true or false that his price for xanax is xanax pills is whatever the price was is it true or false Uh, that they were waiting in the parking lot. Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Um, In addition, the statements made by the defendant's friend that they were in a red Toyota, that they were five minutes away. Is it true or false that they were five minutes away? Is it true or false that they were in a red Toyota? Well, again, here it doesn't really matter. Why are we offering these conversations? What's the purpose of offering these conversations at trial? Well, the purpose of offering the trial is to demonstrate that there was a conversation going on of some kind, contact going on of some kind between the defendant's group and the victim's group. And the fact that there was a conversation going on is relevant to demonstrate that there was a connection between the defendant and the victim just before the defendant shows up and shoots and kills the victim and shoots and severely injures the victim's friend. And so demonstrating the fact of that conversation is important, that there was a relationship. And in fact, uh, demonstrating that they were making representations, making claims about I'm coming to see you. Right. Wasn't true, in fact, that they were coming to see them. I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But they were making statements that were implying that it was true. And that was important because that was, again, part of the ruse to lead the victim to the scene. So when the court looks at these statements, they say, well, they're not offered for their truth. And therefore, they were offered and because they were offered for another lawful purpose uh, here, because the purpose being an explanation of why this this conversation is taking place, an explanation for why they're sitting in the parking lot. It ends up being admissible, even though it looks a lot like hearsay evidence. And as it turns out, You know that's one of the big exceptions to the hearsay rule that we don't know a lot about another big exception to the hearsay rule is that any statement that a defendant makes is not considered to be hearsay because you can admit almost anything that a defendant says to you as long as you're the person who hears the defendant say it and uh, it, it survives any hearsay objection because of course you can't call the defendant as a witness you're not permitted to call the defendant as a witness so all the defendant's statements come in as long as you have somebody testifying who actually heard the defendant say it. Now, if it's your field training officer who heard the defendant's statement, then your field training officer needs to come testify. If uh, you know if another detective who's not available heard the defendant make the statement, well, you're going to have to have the other officer come in and testify. Or you're going to have to get a recording or something like that to come into court. But uh, defendant's statements are not considered to be hearsay. So statements not offered for their truth, as long as you are offering them for some other lawful purpose, they're not hearsay. And statements by a defendant are not considered to be hearsay. But otherwise, some kind of out-of-court statement, um, is, uh, as if, if offered for the truth, is considered to be hearsay. Now, that should help explain, then, why it is that, for example, in a DUI case, the person who is the breath operator uh, in a of a breath machine needs to come to court and testify to what they found using the breath machine, right? Or if you submit a certificate of analysis, to the Department of Forensic Science, uh, then you know the DFS person may have to come to court to testify as to what's in the certificate of analysis, because there the certificate of analysis or the certificate from the breath machine is an out of court statement that is prepared for court purposes and is being offered for the truth in the actual statement itself in the actual piece of paper itself so an out of court statement can also be a piece of paper if it's you know if it's offered for the truth of his bac was 0.12 or if it's offered for the truth of this baggie contained 0.89 grams of cocaine, a Schedule two controlled substance. That piece of paper is an out-of-court statement offered for the truth, right? Um, and another piece of paper that's an out-of-court statement that's offered for the truth is a DMV record. A DMV record would be an out-of-court statement offered for the truth of the fact the defendant is suspended or he's plus five or he... Um, you know, has uh, certain a certain number of prior convictions for driving on a suspended license. It's an out-of-court statement offered for the truth. So when you have hearsay documents like that, uh, what happens is we, in, we develop procedures in the law to permit you to admit those kinds of out-of-court statement documents. So we have a procedure for admitting breath certificates. We have a procedure for admitting uh, DFS certificates. We have a procedure for admitting DMV uh, DMV records. And those procedures are, are built into statute. But all those procedures are necessary because without those procedures, it would simply be inadmissible hearsay at trial. Right. And so you're familiar with, you know, the DMV procedure comes out and has a little certificate on it um, and it has to be a certified operator of the machine and so on. That's because uh, that's how that hearsay exception works. Or when you have to package up your drugs in a certain way and transport them to lab in a certain way and the lab accepts them and they have, you know, you have an RFLE and all that process. All that process is there so that you can admit the certificate of analysis at trial without having all these people come to court and testify to the truth of. I transported the drugs. They were in a sealed condition. I accepted the drugs at the the lab and they were in a sealed condition. Then I handed them to this forensic examiner who then, you know, took them up, who opened up the package and weighed it and so on. We don't have people testify to all that stuff. All that stuff would be hearsay because it's all uh, offered for the truth, except that we have these procedures built into the law. But we know of course that there are some things that aren't uh, hearsay and things that are not offered for the truth if they're offered for some other lawful reason like to explain why something happened uh, and things that are the defendant's statement. There are a bunch of other exceptions and we could spend a whole day talking about all the exceptions to the hearsay rule. But I do wanna highlight a couple of really important exceptions to the hearsay rule that I think you might find to be useful in your daily work. Um, Two of of the exceptions that kind of go together uh, are present sense impressions and excited utterances. And it kind of also goes to then existing mental emotional physical conditions too, so actually really three. Uh, Then existing mental emotional physical condition, present sense impressions, and excited utterances. The concern with hearsay is that you're trusting somebody else, right? Remember, I'm at the cocktail party and I say, John came up and told me that Jane was too drunk to drive home and so I should get a ride with somebody else. Well, I don't know if Jane was drunk or not. John's just saying this to me. There's no reason to, to, to there's no way we can decide whether or not John is telling the truth or not. <clears throat> but let's say I'm testifying and I say, I'm at the cocktail party and all of a sudden, John screams out, oh my God, Jane is driving down the road at like 100 miles an hour. She's going to hit that kid. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, is that admissible for the truth? Well, if he's saying it, if John's saying it, and he's screaming and he's terrified, right? He's describing something that he's seeing right now, and he's panicked about it. He's an excited utterance. It's a present sense impression. He's saying, this is what I see right now that would be admissible even though it's hearsay because it's in, we're offering it for the truth of the matter that jane is driving down the road 100 miles an hour but it becomes admissible because there's something trustworthy about somebody suddenly out of nowhere at a cocktail party screaming at the top of their lungs oh my god this is what i'm seeing right now so present sense impressions and excited utterances are admissible as hearsay. And that's really important for law enforcement because we often get excited utterances and present sense impressions of people, especially from 911 calls. And 911 operators, when they're on the phone with people, will often collect then existing mental, emotional, physical conditions for me. Howard, are you okay? Are you injured? Yes, I'm injured. Um, He punched me in my face. My jaw really hurts. Um, My ears are ringing. Uh, I'm having trouble uh, breathing. I'm having trouble talking. It hurts when I talk. It hurts when I swallow. These are present, these are statements, present sense impressions, what the person's feeling on the phone with a 911 operator. And they're statements of then existing uh, emotional, physical condition. And they become admissible for hearsay purposes, right? Also, if medical responds to that call and talks to a victim, and the victim says, again, my ears are ringing, my jaw hurts, My I mean, it hurts when I swallow, my throat hurts, it hurts when I talk, and says this to the EMS staff, right? The law considers that to be reliable too, even though it's obviously hearsay, because it's obviously, you know, if the victim doesn't want to come to court and doesn't want to testify, and you still want to admit the fact that uh, her ears were ringing, her jaw hurt, uh, it was hard for her to swallow, it was hard for her to talk, her throat hurt, you could still testify well this is what she told ems and why is that it's clearly hearsay right because it's made by somebody out of court and i'm offering it for the truth of the injuries that she suffered well it's admissible because uh, among other things she's telling it to medical staff and we tend to think under the law that statements that you make to a medical provider are more reliable that you wouldn't deceive a medical provider because it wouldn't it would just make things worse for you now I mean, you know, is that true? Is that not true? We can debate that all day. But under the law, it's we consider that to be reliable. So a victim making a present sense impression and also making a statement for purposes of medical treatment, my ears are ringing, my head hurts, you know, uh, my jaw hurts, my, it hurts when I swallow, and so on, those would be admissible as hearsay. So it becomes really important then for you to document those statements on the scene when you're talking to a victim because e- because that way, even if the victim can't come to court and testify, you could still admit that victim statements. Another big exception to the hearsay rule are business records. We bring in business records all the time into court um, to testify, you know, business records reflecting, you know, if you have an embezzlement case, for example, and there's hundreds of different transactions that the victim, that the defendant, rang up, and he used, uh, you know, uh, his his management position to alter the transactions to uh, divert money to his own personal account. You're not going to have all hundreds of the victim's customers to come in court and testify. But if you can authenticate them as business records, uh, then those, those transactions records do come into court. Now, there's again, there's a procedure for how you admit business records. Um, and we won't talk about the that day. That'll be a conversation for another day. But if you take advantage of that business records exception, those business records are admissible. Public records are the same way, and a DMV transcript is an exact example of this, right? The DMV transcript reflects hundreds of different transactions and uh, convictions and paperwork being sent out and DMV notices being sent out and so on, Uh, but that is all contained in one big public record, and that public record is admissible as a hearsay exception, again, if you follow the procedure. Um, there's lots of other exceptions to the hearsay rule. And again, I'm not going to talk about them all day long. Um, but um, but again, I think the really big one uh, is, the, uh, is, is the defendant's admission, right? Any, any statement that the defendant makes. So long as it's relevant, you can offer what the defendant said, regardless of whether it's inculpatory or not. So one thing you always want to remember about defendant statements is that they're never considered to be hearsay as long as you have somebody who can say, yeah, I heard the defendant say that. Um, But then, you know, the other exceptions that I talked about in those situations, uh, like, for example, the present sense impression or the excited utterance. Um, or the, um, the statement of um, mental condition or physical condition or so on, statement for purposes of medical treatment. Um, in general, you offer those kinds of exception, you offer that kind of hearsay when the victim is not gonna be testifying in court or while the witness is not gonna be testifying in court. But, you know, those the unavailability issue comes up all the time, especially in cases involving interpersonal violence. But, you know, even I would say in cases of you show up to a big fight at a bar and there's just this huge brawl and there's, you know, people are spilled out in the parking lot. There's people all over the place. There's people yelling and screaming and so on. Um, you may not be able to figure out who that person is. You know, there was a person outside and they were screaming, oh, my God, you know, I walked up to the bar and as soon as I did, there was a person outside screaming, get inside he's tearing the place apart oh my god he's gonna kill somebody right so you run inside you don't stop and get that person's information you don't stop and write that person's name down you have no idea who that person is could you testify to that yeah you could because that person's unavailable you don't know who they are you don't know where they are you don't know what their name is um but they make a present sense impression and they also make an excited utterance here right um and and so it becomes admissible and a present sense impression as long as it's declared contemporaneous with the actor at the time it's explaining what they're seeing uh and it's spontaneous the person just says it out loud it is admissible as hearsay and the excited utterance is admissible uh, as long as the person is seeing a startling event or condition and it's made by somebody who's firsthand who's seeing it who's like oh my god he's tearing the place apart he's going to kill somebody right it's a really powerful exception. And then when you get outside, and again, the um, let's say the the the, the defendant's girlfriend, the, defect, the victim of the case, right, makes statements to the EMS. I'm going to document those very carefully as well because she may not have testified, to court, testified in court, but I'm going to be able to admit that at trial. The last thing I want to talk about, though, today is a trap that people fall into a lot, and that is what's considered to be double hearsay. So double hearsay comes in where I am testifying to something that would normally be admissible as a hearsay exception, but I'm testifying to what somebody else told me. And there you can get yourself a little twisted around, but it wouldn't be admissible. What do I mean by that? Well, think about my example where I show up to the fight at the bar and there's a person standing outside screaming, oh my God, he's tearing the place apart. Come help, come help um he's he's just attacking everybody wildly uh you got to help you got to help and so you run up to the bar and you go inside now you could testify to that all day long because even though that person and we have no idea who this person is we run inside we never see them again even though that person is uh is making a out of court statement that i'm offering for the truth which is the truth that he's actually inside tearing the place apart um it's a present sense impression and it's an excited utterance so it would be admissible as a hearsay exception But what if I then called your field training officer to the witness stand and your field training officer was parking the car at the time while you were running inside, so he didn't hear it. And I asked your field training officer, uh, officer, uh, what happened when you all arrived at the bar? Uh, Well, officer Jones got out and I dropped him off and then I went to go park the car and Officer Jones ran into this woman who said, oh my God, he's inside, he's tearing the place apart, he's going crazy, uh, he's attacking everybody, help, help, help. Well, the objection there would be hearsay. And it's hearsay because it's something that Officer Jones heard and saw. So Officer Jones has to come to court to testify that he saw this woman screaming outside and yelling inside. So that would be considered double hearsay, right? Officer, for Officer Jones to testify to it, it would be a hearsay exception. It would be admissible, but for the field training officer who's parking the car, it's not admissible in court. But that does bring us back to the beginning, which is, if my question to officer to your field training officer is, why did you get out of the car and start running at the top, you know, at top speed towards the bar? Well, because I heard a radio transmission from Officer Jones. There's a woman outside screaming. There's a guy tearing the place apart, and I'm going to go inside, um, but I need backup, right? and 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 so that statement if i'm offering it to the court not for the truth but simply for the explanation as to why the field training officer jumped out of the car and ran at the top speed towards the bar um, then it would be admissible as a hearsay exception because i'm offering it for some other purpose but when i offer it for another purpose it can't be admitted for the truth Um, so i can never use that to prove that there really was a fight going on at court and that's a quick look at what the hearsay rule is I hope today was interesting. It was a little different uh, than we usually do. Um, I don't usually do uh, like pure legal issues like this, but um, if it was interesting, uh, let me know. Tell me, hey, this was good or, you know, it wasn't that interesting. It wasn't really my cup of tea. It wasn't what I was looking for. I can do more episodes like this. We can talk about more hearsay exceptions and stuff if you thought it was useful. Um, and in general, as always, if you like the podcast, tell your friends. We're on uh we're on Stitcher Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on SoundCloud. I can be on another app if you would like me to be on another app. I can track that down too. If you don't like the podcast, don't tell your friends. But for today, that's all from me. That's all from Big E. Stay safe and don't get captured.